We're live. We're rolling. How are you doing today, Matt? Doing well. Awesome. So as we were chatting about before, you have a podcast. And uh, so this is not your first rodeo. That's right. I have a podcast called The Science of Politics that's distributed through the Niskanen Center in D.C. Uh, and I am a political science professor at Michigan State in addition to being the owner of Hooked. That is awesome. Co-owner. Co-owner. <laughs> you and your wife own it together, right? That's true. That's cool. She's there right now, I'm assuming, working. Uh, she's uh, at home, but will be there soon. Okay. How did you get into doing a podcast yourself? Uh, I was asked to do something through this uh, think tank in D.C., uh, and they had some ideas about sort of blogging and things I should write about. Um, and I said, well, what about a podcast? Because <laughs> that's sort of what I wanted to do. Uh, and I had been posting a lot of uh, research links uh, online uh, that people had been interested in, and I just wanted to, to talk to the authors and uh, try to share some stuff that doesn't usually make it out of academia. Very cool. And what kind of topics do you discuss? I mean, obviously political science type to topics, but is there any like specific niches that you try to state? stick towards, I guess? The goal is to uh, apply uh, research to current events. So, um, for example, uh, we just did a, a podcast on early voting and how much that impacted the 2022 election. And we just did, and we're doing the next one uh, on the congressional leadership elections like uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, turning things over to a new generation um, and sort of what research says about the, the role of those actors. How many episodes have you guys done? I think we're at 136. Wow. Wow. So how often is it every couple months? Uh, it's bi-weekly. Bi-weekly. Okay. Cool. That's really cool. And then you're a co-host on that as well. Or uh, are you the, I'm, I'm the primary you're host. You're primary. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Now, are you from the Lansing area? Were you born and raised here? I am not. I'm from Columbia, Missouri originally, uh, and I moved here from Berkeley, California. Oh. So how long have you lived in Lansing? Uh, this is our 16th year. 16th. And you've worked at MSU all those years? Yes. And, uh, and I think you mentioned that you're a professor there. You're, uh, you're a political science professor. I am, but I'm also the, the director of the Institute for Public Policy and Social Research, uh, okay. which uh, is sort of the outreach to state government. So uh, in addition to, to more normal academia stuff, I do um, stuff related to state government as well. What made you want to get involved in political science? It seems like one of those topics that like you're always, there's so much drama, especially now, right? More than ever, there's so much drama just attached to all these different topics. And whether you believe one thing or you believe another, you're almost looked at as an enemy uh, from one side or the other. How do you navigate those waters? Yeah, it always seems like uh, a lot is going on uh, in <laughs> politics. When I uh, first started entering, when I did an internship in, in D.C., uh, I actually got to go see uh, President Bill Clinton's impeachment trial in the U.S. Wow. Senate. And it was at that time, oh, it's the first impeachment in 100 years. Uh, crazy things are happening. But in retrospect, it looks like a pretty calm time <laughs> in D.C. <laughs> uh, because things have, have kept happening. So it is, I, I think I've always been interested in uh, sort of following the news, but but stepping back a little bit uh, and trying to figure out uh, the broader trends and what's happening. Now, being a professor in that field and looking at things from a, I guess, from an educational standpoint, how do you see it affecting the political climate itself? How do you see it affecting like the minds of young people today? Do you find them getting like, I guess, like 
do you do you find that they are um i guess i can't even think of the question i want to ask um well, there's a, a, a bifurcation. There are there are, most people are not paying very much attention to politics, uh, and uh, and you know just have other other interests and might tune in just a few weeks before the the presidential election. Yeah, that's a huge problem. Uh, but but. <laughs> But the capacity to be sort of hyper involved, to listen to you know ten podcasts on uh, current politics, uh, and to to follow very closely what's happening uh, in D.C., uh, you know, has never been easier. So we have a group of people who's sort of hyper involved, and those tend to be the political science students. So I uh, see them, um, but it's it's useful to remember that most people aren't paying much attention. Uh, the other thing, because I'm involved in in state politics, is that we've had sort of a, a decline in the local and state political interests compared to the national. So, if you, uh, the, the why number, do you think that is? Uh, a lot of it has to do with media. Uh, that um, you know, you're not reliant on your local newspaper uh, or your local television station for news anymore. Uh, now with uh, cable and the internet, you can get news from from everywhere, uh, and most people are kind of attracted to that presidential. Uh, news. Uh, so, for example, uh, more people now know who the vice president is than almost ever before, but fewer people know who their own governor is uh, than than before, uh, because you used to just be sort of incidentally uh, exposed to that on a regular basis. That's really interesting. I, I would have never guessed that. Um, now, what are your ideas on the the? I mean, you mentioned how most people know who the vice president is, but like she hasn't made any really any statements. <laughs> Exactly. So we're just paying a lot of attention to, to national news and we're getting exposed to that kind of that kind of information. Whereas we used to, you know, you had to even if you were finding out where the garage sales were or doing or mm-hmm. looking up the local sports scores, um, you weren't that interested, but you were sort of incidentally exposed to who's your member of Congress, who's your governor, what are they doing on a local level? And we can't count on that anymore. Do you focus a lot on local politics? Like uh, teaching it and I don't, but that is my wife, Sarah Reckow is a professor in urban politics and political science. And so, um, her main, uh, focus of, of research and teaching is local politics. Do you ever find yourself getting overwhelmed with obviously the political climate and just how crazy things are and teach? I mean, cause you're, you're kind of in that world, you're surrounded by it. Like, like all the time, do you find yourself getting overwhelmed by it? Well, I've always been one of the hyper-interested uh, people, so I, I tend not to get overwhelmed. We are overwhelmed uh, trying to, to, to run a uh, bookstore cafe and uh, do everything with MSU, but um, not, not as a result of the, the political climate. Um, things, things are always happening in, in politics, and I've always been too interested in following them closely. And then, of course, you always wanted to teach, right? Did you, did you start out? You obviously didn't start out teaching in college, in uh, colleges, right? I did. I um, was, uh, both Sarah and I were uh, graduate students at Berkeley at the University of California. uh, And I started uh, teaching when I was there uh, and moved directly to MSU. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, But Sarah was a high school teacher before, uh, before becoming a professor. So she had a little teaching experience of a very different sort in, (laughs) (laughs) in Baltimore. Now, where did the whole bookstore idea come from? It's a really neat thing. And I remember when it was coming about, I heard about it, I think on the radio or something. And they were talking about how there's this new bookstore that you're going to be able to drink at. And it, it it's never something that really crossed my mind. I mean, you think of like a bookstore, like coffee shop type of atmosphere, but you guys changed the game with, with uh, having a, a, a bar as well. 
Well, it is a, a bit of a national trend. Uh, there's probably 25 of these uh, kinds of places, and a lot of them are in college towns. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're we're not the the first, um, but it is uh, kind of a, a rising tradition. For us personally, I would say coffee came first. Uh, that is when we moved here. Um, Strange Matter wasn't here. Blue Owl wasn't here. There was nothing but Starbucks and Big B, basically. Uh, yeah. And so um, having moved from California, um, we you know, imported our coffee, I guess, uh, uh, from personally. And then we sort of missed the coffee shop kind of scene. So um, we wanted to do that and have uh, for a while. Um, and we went to uh, several places in California that were kind of a combination of a bar and a coffee shop. So uh, you could kind of rotate through the day uh, from cool. kind of the coffee format uh, to the to the bar format. So we were interested in that. And then we took a uh, sabbatical to Cambridge, Massachusetts. That means we lived there for a year. Uh, And uh, the bookstore culture there is just very big uh, and brings in a lot of speakers, brings in a lot of um, uh, regular events. Uh, And so we wanted to bring that uh, to uh, East Lansing and Lansing. And we wanted to kind of combine it uh, with the coffee shop and wine bar. Do you guys host speakers in different events? We we do. So we we tend to have probably three or four events per week. Um, uh, most of them are just kind of held at our community table uh, in the front. So, for example, uh, as we're recording, uh, we're having an author uh, today uh, talk about her memoir. Uh, we're also having a yarn arts group uh, showing up uh, to do some knitting and crochet. Uh, there's a, a Lansing pagan group that's meeting in the back, uh, <laughs> and there's uh, a book club uh, that is coming as well. So all today, yeah. So we have wow. uh, quite a bit uh, on our plate, but a lot of it is not organized by us. It's just people uh, see us as a good space uh, for for creative things. So people can just decide that they want to come there and host an event. Or hopefully, there's hopefully a way they, to sign up for yeah, it. Yeah, hopefully they tell us beforehand. <laughs> not always, but uh, but yes, uh, anytime uh, people can get in touch uh, with us through our website or stop in. Uh, and just make sure that there's not four things going on at the same time that you want to have your event, but we, we'd love to have you. That is really cool. That I mean, there there needs to be, I mean, because that, that's one thing, like in Lansing, a lot of your bookstores, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it since you've been here. Like there was a Barnes and Noble in, in, in East Lansing there for a while and that shut down. And then uh, the student bookstore, like that shut down. I actually know the one of the owners, uh, previous owners. And then... Um, all these bookstores just keep kind of going out of business. And so but I think by adding the, like the wine bar, coffee, coffee side, and then allowing these people to come in and host these different events and kind of like, like be a part of their community and allow their part of the community to come into your guys's business. I'm sure it's really good for business. Uh, it is useful to have the uh, different pieces bringing people in, and hopefully, as people are having coffee or wine, they see something in in retail that they that they want to purchase as well. Uh, the history is interesting. Uh, there was actually a uh, English professor uh, and his wife who had a bookstore uh, in downtown East Lansing, but well before we got here, and they were sort of put out of business by the Barnes and Noble that went oh, wow. into downtown East Lansing, and then that Barnes and Noble uh, eventually went out of business. Uh, Schuler Books, which is our you know main uh, large uh, mall bookstore, had a location at Eastwood, um, but they they've been helpful to us um, at mentoring us through this process. And they say that uh, that Eastwood co- uh, that Eastwood location they did not want to leave. Uh, they just lost their lease. Uh, oh. the, the person wanted to put in something else. So um, so yeah, there's sort of in the central central part of uh, Lansing and East Lansing. Uh, there, there really hasn't been anything. There's just the two big mall bookstores at either side. 
Now that's when we started planning. Now, since we've planned, um, there's actually, you know, six or seven uh, different, um, you know, small bookstores uh, that have been added. Really? Um, uh, it's, but none of them are the, the same size as ours. Um, so uh, there's uh, sort of a, a, you know, a rising bookstore culture uh, in, in Lansing. What is the process like to start a bookstore? I mean, because it seems so simple. You obviously get books and you just open up a, a location, but I'm, I'm sure there's way more to it. How do you, how do you get, how do you get access to all these books? Is there distributors? Like, how do you, how do you do that? Well, this is, it is kind of a, um, a crazy idea to start a bookstore, but it's a crazy idea that a lot of people have. So there's sort of <laughs> a, an industry um, to, to help. Um, so I actually went to uh, like a bookstore boot camp in Florida with um, 12 other people who were starting bookstores around the same time around, around the country. Uh, and there's uh, a book you can read on start, <laughs> starting a bookstore as well with all of that. Um, but yes, we have accounts with all of the, the major publishers uh, and some minor publishers and some university presses. Uh, so that we can order our books directly, but there's also intermediaries. Uh, the biggest one is called Ingram, and they um, can sort of get almost any book uh, for you if you're not getting them directly uh, from the publishers. So is that, I'm sure there's got to be a huge overhead cost to that, right? Well, there's uh, the the cost of, of purchasing the books, of course, is a major part of, yeah. of our costs. Um, you know, so the uh, you know, anywhere, if you're spending $10 on a book, um, you know, probably $6 of it is going back to the, the publisher. Uh, if, uh, but the, of course there's other, other expenses just with, uh, opening the store and staffing. Um, you know, it's important for us to have, uh, a staff that wants to be there that treats people well. And we do have that. Um, but that means that, you know, we, we do have to have the store staffed and that's a big ex expense as well. How many employees do you have? Uh, there's 17, but that's a little Holy misleading cow. because uh, most, you know, this is the vast majority are part-time. Okay. Um, and we have a lot of students, for example, working there um, who are also going to school while they're they're working there. So um, there's a lot of people, but but many of them don't work um, a whole, a huge number of hours. That's cool. Do you find that it's it was difficult to find employees? Because I know that was a huge struggle for a lot of businesses and local businesses. Uh, for us, it was not difficult. We just uh, posted uh, just an, just an ad, uh, and we got like 400 applications before we opened. Uh, we wow. interviewed like 40 people or so, and we found a, a great group. Um, we've had some turnover uh, since then, um, but but not a lot lately. So we've um, we've been able to find a, a good group of people. I would say what is more difficult is um, you know no one comes in as an expert in the bar, the cafe, right. and books and retail. So right. uh, we, we want to sort of make everybody uh, more familiar with all, all parts of it. Um, but that means that almost everybody is learning uh, something on the job. So you said you attended these, um, like a, a boot camp for bookstores. What was that like? Uh, <laughs> it was really interesting um, and inspiring to see uh, we had two lawyers that were sort of changing professions and starting a bookstore. We had uh, someone who, we had several people who who were starting a bookstore in a small town that did not have a, a bookstore. Um, so all of that was was interesting to see, and you can tell that uh, people really see this as a, a big part of the community that they're in. Do you find that since you're in that realm now, um, I mean, obviously technology, technology is greater now than it has ever been as far as like being able to read and listen to audiobooks, like. I, I read, but I don't read as often as, as I should. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, um, but in podcasts. But do you find that there is still a huge need for books? 
like the physical physical books. <laughs> yeah, so um, so people can can do the 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 new versions uh, through us as well. So we have a partnership with Libro.fm, which is just like Audible but for independent bookstores, and oh, you can get. Wow. Uh, all of your audiobooks through there, and I also listen to audiobooks. Uh, and you uh, can also get digital uh, uh, copies of books through our website at hooklansing.com. Um, but most people are still interested in physical books. Um, it's interesting to see the the uh, the transition. We had this moment when uh, the Kindle was big and everything's going to move to digital, uh, and and really that's been in decline for seven or eight years now. Why do you um, think the, that is? The, the digital kind. The audiobooks are still up. Um, but they started from a, a small, very small portion. Uh, so, so most book buyers are still print book buyers. Why do you think there's a decline? Do you think it's because of the distra- other distractions on your devices? <laughs> could, <laughs> could be. I think it was just it was just a niche that that some people really liked, um, and then others, you know, just never convinced anyone else that that this was like a bad technology. Mm, you're kind of right, <laughs> you're kind right. of normal book. Um, you know, a, a lot of people just still don't see much of an improvement uh, from the uh, from the from the Kindle digital version. I think audiobooks are different in that obviously you can um, you know you can experience them while you're exercising or walking right. or doing something like that. So there that is going to attract some people uh, as well. Um, but books tend to attract people who think the book was better than the movie <laughs> uh, and you know don't necessarily want, you know, want to be able to do some imagination while they're reading. Right. Um, and you can do that more easily with the print book. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's also cool to have the, the, like the actual book in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just telling my wife that I want to have David Goggins. I don't, I'm, I'm a huge fan of David Goggins and he, he just released a new book this week or last week. And um, I want the actual book. And then I also want the audio book. And she's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the interesting thing is that um, a lot of this was about pricing. So when Amazon uh, started uh, the Kindle, they were selling uh, almost most books for for ten dollars. Um, but but that wasn't because a large part of the book cost is the printing. That that's just they were just selling it at a loss in order to get people wow. to buy Kindles. So um, that you know that's only going to last so long. Right. <laughs> so long. Right. So. Um, whereas for, for audiobooks, um, you know, you don't really get them cheaper necessarily because obviously there's an additional production cost, uh, to, right. to the audiobook. Um, so, uh, so I think that's, you know, that's an important part of the story of why print books are, are going to re- remain in fashion is it really just isn't a large part of the cost, right. uh, the, the production of the book itself. Now, being somebody that owns a bookstore and being a professor and all the other things you do in life, you are obviously really busy. Do you still have time to read? Uh, I do still have time to read, uh, and I uh, I also listen to books and do digital, so I do all of them still, um, depending on uh, you know what I'm up to, and I'm I, I tend to be reading in all three formats at once, at least something <laughs> just so I can switch uh, to what's, uh, what's available uh, to me at the time. But I also just like to walk around uh, the bookstore uh, and start picking stuff up. And I always, even though I'm the one who orders a lot of them, I still, uh, I still see new stuff and I'm, I, you know, get interested uh, in reading new things as I browse. What kind of books do you read? I read almost all nonfiction um, but I tend not to read like the straight politics stuff more. Mm. I read a lot of uh, science, psychology, um, a lot of some nature, some, uh, but, but also some current events in history. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I mean, you seem like a real, like 
normal guy for for being a professor like i mean typically when you when you think of a professor you think of somebody who's kind of like suit and tie like kind of uppity a little bit but i like that you are like you're just down to earth like you you seem like a, a normal 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 guy and i could imagine that being in that realm um where you're you're you know you're in the educational realm you're constantly surrounded by books and I don't remember where I was going with this statement. <laughs> um, well, it but, does it, it does help to ground and not not be lost that we do have the cafe. So you're not um, you're not sort of in in the intellectual world the yeah. whole time, but you're you're more directly saying, that, okay, what am I going to have to eat and drink? That's where, uh, that's where I was going with it. Yeah. Like it, it, you would think that you would get overwhelmed with that, and. I mean, obviously, by having the bar, you kind of can let loose a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you can. You can uh, definitely uh, take a break uh, and do, do something a little different. Um, but I think it's nice to be introduced to new stuff uh, as well. So, for example, we have a lot of local authors in, and it's almost never a topic that I would have, you know, on my own uh, picked up. Um, do but, you stock local art or authors' books in yeah, your stores? Yeah, we, we stock local authors' books, uh, and we have regular events uh, for local authors, and um, what, what's interesting is it's almost always interesting when you can meet the person who, mm, who wrote yeah. it and they can tell their personal stories. So even genres that I don't really read, uh, you know, I'm still drawn to when I, when I meet the person. Have you met Allison Spooner? Yes. Yeah. Allison, I believe runs our, um, writing group. Okay. Um, so we have yep. a regular uh, writing group, the third Thursdays, uh, that meets at our community table, uh, and folks can come in and she usually, I believe she does, uh, kind of a prompt or kind of an opening mm, and then it yeah. also lets people uh, start writing. She's very good at what she does. Uh, she's been on this podcast before too, but yeah, I, I like Allison. She's really cool. Um, yeah, that's really cool. I really enjoy the fact that you allow all these local people to come in because it, it offers not just and like a, a way for people to come in and buy books and hang out, but a way for people to get an education as well from other people. That's right. And, uh, you know, I think pe people learn that there's interesting people in their own community and that's an important part, uh, of, yeah. of what we're, uh, what we're doing. Um, but it, it's also just nice to have kind of a regular event schedule. Um, you know, our managers would say we put, <laughs> we might put too much on the schedule, but, uh, <laughs> but, it, but it's useful to have a regular thing. So something, something new is happening every day. Uh, and we do, for example, we are in the bottom floor of an apartment building. And so, you know, I just want the people who live there to imagine that, you know, if they, if they don't have anything on their schedule, um, you know, they can they come they down can, and hang out, come down and, you know, there'll be something happening. That's really cool. I actually, I've, I've actually never been in there. I want to though. Um, I was just telling my wife that the other day and I really need to go in there, but um, that that's really cool that they, people that live there can, can go down there. Like we were in the, the Meyer the other day um, downtown. I was telling my wife, like how cool would it be to like live here? Essentially you have like a, a store inside your home. And I mean, it's the same way for the bookstore. You have a bookstore in your home. That's super cool. Yeah. yeah. And we do have some uh, regular customers from inside the building. We're also, you know, in an area just south of Frandor where there's a lot of new apartment buildings. So there's a new student building. There's the sky view. That's kind of a mix. Um, and those people really didn't have much to walk to unless you wanted to try to walk into Frandor. <laughs> um, and so we're also, I think, a, a nice uh, place for, for people to be able to meet uh, it, who are in that new region. And there's other places opening up there. So there will obviously be a lot of foot traffic as well. Mm -hmm. Correct, right? 
Yes, uh, we already have uh, the tropical smoothie is open. A um, a uh, what do you call it? Like a tapioca balls uh, tea place is mm. open. Uh, Old bag of nails, uh, kind of an Irish pub f- fish and chips place is open. Uh, there's a physical therapy location. Uh, so uh, there's there's quite a bit there, and it's a, a very unique um, space because. Uh, but right behind us is a new building for uh, retired people um, on to the side uh, of us is a building entirely for students. And then our building is more of a traditional mix of apartment uh, dwellers. And then, uh, you know, the whole project was sort of uh, an environmental project to try to deal with the, the runoff from Frandor, not mm-hmm. getting into the. Uh, the Red Cedar River. Uh, so in in behind us, there's also two new uh, lake retention pond lakes. There's new trails that connect to the river trail. Uh, there's a new amphitheater that they're putting in uh, uh, for events. So it should be a, a mini little region uh, for people to explore. Yeah, that's really cool. It's really cool to be a part of the community in that aspect, right? To be able to own something that is like essentially a staple in the Lansing community. What, what does that feel like? Uh, it is, and a, a big part of our big part of why we chose that location is it's right on the border of Lansing and East Lansing. So we're in Lansing, uh, but we get a lot of traffic uh, from East Lansing and the university too. We're walkable uh, to the university. You can walk right through uh, Brody on a path uh, to get to games uh, or whatever from our uh, spot. Uh, and so, and we have a little art in back that was done by a local muralist um with a little uh hint of lansing on one side and east lansing on the other and the river in the middle um so you can sort of see uh that come that combination and we had representation from the mayor of lansing and uh represented from east lansing when we opened uh and still uh and still have representation from both cities uh and you know from my point of view because a lot of what i do at the university uh is to interface with state government uh, and to try to remind people, you know, it's only three miles away. It's a very big part of our region. And for those of us who are, you know, interested in government and politics, um, you know, there's a lot going on uh, in town. So um, we've been able, I think, uh, to do some merging of those two communities that you wouldn't normally see. That's actually a really good point, because for the longest time, Frandor was almost like like it was so weird because you would come you were in Lansing. But then there was like a clear boundary of East Lansing and Lansing, and it seemed like there was like a, a like a divide, like a, some sort of weird like like okay, this is East Lansing and this is Lansing, like they're clearly two different locations. But now, like that whole section where your your bookstore is, it's, it's like like you had mentioned, it, it kind of merged the area together, and so that's kind of cool. It has, yeah. and, and Lansing, as you know, um, kind of has an interesting uh, c- culture where people are very proud of living here, but they can also make fun of themselves. Uh, and so, uh, we have we sell Frandor uh, shirts and mugs and cards and stickers, uh, and we sell a lot of those. Uh, we sell uh, a drink called the Big Red Orbs, which is uh, kind of a holiday drink uh, to celebrate the ornaments in downtown Lansing. Uh, mm. We sell a Frandorf sandwich. Um, uh, that's sort of our, our take. Um, we have some of the Lansing Facts uh, T-shirts that have the Sears Tower uh, okay. on them. That's cool. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, local, yeah, we, local we, stuff. We try to take advantage of that, that people really do. We have the Love Lansing stickers as well. People, people do love Lansing, but they also don't take themselves super seriously uh, <laughs> here, uh, and, and we hope to embody that. 
Yeah, no, that's one thing by doing this podcast. I've met so many people because I've interviewed a lot of like local artists and local business owners, and they all are super proud to be part of Lansing. And before I started doing this podcast, I didn't realize it. Like I was one of the people who were like, man, Lansing's so boring. I hate Lansing. Um, but then like, as I started getting more into the community, you realize that there's so much more, there's always events going on. There's people who are trying to make the community a better place for everybody. And, um, and like, like such as your business, like you are obviously trying to make East Lansing better and Lansing better by hosting these events, allowing people to come in, you know, you, you're providing a service, not just a bookstore, but a place for people to kind of come and hang and drink and drink and, and talk and, and hang out. That's right. And we do have uh, local arts and cards and stickers and everything like that as well. So we, we try to have some some local products, um, but also, you know, to also, to also bring in some things that, uh, you know, you might be used to seeing more in a larger city um, where you have this kind of combo of retail and cafe space. Uh, and, uh, you know, we try to make that part of Lansing. Now, having the bookstore, has it made your life more crazy? Do you find yourself like like just busy beyond belief? Well, uh, we are very busy, but we have uh, competent management and staff. Uh, We knew that we were only going to be able to do this uh, if we, you know, didn't uh, do it on a uh, day-to-day basis um, and were available sort of solely for the, for the emergencies and the difficulties (laughs) and the ordering. So I still have some, some things that are clearly on my plate. um, But, but because we have, uh, management and staff, uh, we can still, you know, leave the area and it, it is still, that's you know, nice. Things, things, uh, still proceed. That makes it, um, fairly impossible to, to make money as a business <laughs> venture. Um, but that was sort of a known trade-off that, you know, if, if we're not going to be there all the time, then we're going to need to hire people who, who can be. Um, and that's, you know, that's going to mean that it's, it's profitability has to be secondary to, um, right. you know, to making it work. That's very cool. I mean, that uh, I think that's for a lot of people, that's a difficult thing to want to do because for one, you're kind of giving up control a little bit. I mean, you're not there to micromanage things and then you're also losing that, that profit, you know, um, aspect of things as well. My name is Lauren Harrington. I'm a real estate agent with Century 21, Lemac Realty. Whether you're looking to buy or sell your home, I can help. From the big cities to the small towns and anything in between, I can make your home buying dreams come true. Come join the Century 21 family. Contact me anytime at 989-534-6430 to begin the process. I look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, and it's it's a privilege uh, to be able to do this because we do have uh, you know jobs that enable us to to do it and to you know take on a take on a new new venture uh, that you know is not going to make money from the beginning. Yeah. Now, being a part of being a business in the Lansing East Lansing area, wh- what is your what is your take on the way things are going in East Lansing? Do you think that things are growing, getting bigger? Like, what is what is your opinion on that? Well, we think uh, Lansing and East Lansing are both uh, doing well. Uh, they uh, there's a lot of new new things happening. Uh, we're we're happy to be part of it. Uh, there are some interesting local institutions as well. Uh, you know, we've been privileged to we're kind of on the marketing campaign for MSU FCU um, because they've 
been kind of promoting us as a, as a business client and people don't know they do business <laughs> work. But I've seen, kind of seen a, that. Yeah. You guys posted something that's, about that. That's kind of an example of, um, you know, there are local institutions uh, that yeah. are, that are still big and capable of doing these things, but, um, but, uh, but still have a, a local touch. So we're, we, we like that. And also, you know, that we have some local vendors. Um, we have, uh, for example, we have uh, products uh, from Sweet Encounter Bakery uh, downtown. We have uh, products from Social Sloth, um, which is also uh, downtown. Um, we have, um, you know, we're, we're able to, to have a bunch of uh, products uh, that, that draw from the local area. Now, do you guys go around and select these local products or do these people come to you and want to offer to sell it in your in your store? How does that work? Uh, most of these have been there from the beginning where we, you know, these were places that people we already knew and, and, okay. and, pla- and places that uh, we already went. Uh, and so, you know, we knew we wanted to, to include them uh, in the store. Some people do uh, c- come to us, um, but uh, but it's nice, uh, to, you know, to, to be able to, to select those things uh, from the beginning. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I really like going to places like I just mentioned we were in the Meyer downtown and anytime I go to a place that sells local products, I, I find myself spending way more money because I'm like, that looks really good. I'm, I want to support them or I know them. I want to buy that. And so I find myself spending a lot more money. But um, like at the Meyer downtown, I was like, man, this is this is really cool that a place like Meyer would sell all these local products. Yeah. And actually, because of that, um, some of the local people have you know, they're able to kind of survive. So um, yeah. there's definitely several people where Meyer is Meyer and us are both on their uh, route. Um, and, you know, they couldn't have a business that only relied, <laughs> only relied on selling stuff at hook, but right. um, because there are some, some other uh, places that, that buy locally, they can. That's one thing that I love about the businesses, the smaller businesses in Lansing is that, um, and you're, I would say you guys is business is probably a little bit bigger than some of the other smaller businesses that I've had on like the podcast, but everybody's so supportive of everybody's business. And it's so, it's so strange because like when you think of business owners, um, and like, for instance, the whole Saddleback thing, I don't know if you've followed Saddleback helping out, um, the capital city, uh, barbecue place, like those people you would think would be in competition with each other, but Saddleback helped them out. And now I think they're doing better. But it's so cool to see these businesses support all these other businesses, regardless of, you know, competition or whatever, because they know that if, if you, if you do well, they're going to do well. And so it's not like a famine mentality. It's really cool. That's right. Uh, we actually entered a, a business competition uh, last year uh, for downtown Lansing. It was called, uh, it was run by downtown Lansing. Uh, and, uh, all five of the finalists in that, um, we didn't win sweet encounter one. Okay. Um, but all five of the finalists, including us are now open. Uh, they're not all wow. open in downtown Lansing. They're kind of spread out a little bit. Um, but, it, but it's just been nice to see. Um, what that, was that event for? Uh, it was, uh, run by downtown Lansing, uh, to sort of just a new business venture uh, okay. competition. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we were happy to be part of it. Uh, and even though we, we didn't win, we still know, uh, those, those other folks and they've now opened, uh, which was, which was nice to see. Um, but also I think, um, people sometimes misunderstand the, what the dynamics of competition look like. Like I said, we've had, (laughs) you know, we've had uh, support, uh, from, uh, some of the other, uh, bookstores in, in town. We also, 
Um, even the, the kind of history of coffee is, is interesting. So, you know, Starbucks, everybody thinks, well, Starbucks is putting a bunch of <laughs> independent coffee shops out of business. Well, <laughs> Starbucks created the independent books, uh, independent mm. uh, coffee shop, uh, market, um, you know, addicted to a bunch of people to daily lattes, <laughs> uh, and now they're, uh, branching out. So, you know, I, I think there's, there's room, uh, for people to have, uh, you know, to, to patronize, uh, different places, but also, uh, to, to say that I want to look out for finding someplace local. That's a part of the community. Yeah. And I think as like time goes on, um, people start to realize, like, I mean, people don't want to support places like Starbucks because they're these multi-billion dollar companies and they have no interest in these local communities. Whereas they want to support something like strange matter or, um, blue owl, whatever some of the other coffee shops are. They would much rather go there because then they know that they, well, for one, they know they're supporting a local business, but then they also know that like their money is going to, is going towards like somebody's life or like it's providing for somebody in a sense, because a lot of these uh, businesses give back to the community too. Yeah. And we, you know, we started this as consumers. So we went to all of those places uh, and um, you know, we're, we're happy with some things that we, we saw and, and wanted to use as, uh, models. Um, and, uh, and we, and yes, we are part of that, uh, trend where, you know, where it, the, the, the goal, uh, and the, the likelihood is not, uh, that, you know, we open a bunch of locations and, um, and become uh, big and, and do you see yourself opening other locations? No, no, you know, this is, <laughs> um, you know, this is a, a venture to, to kind of get back to where we are and because we're going to be here, uh, you know, for the long term, and we want to uh, have a place and, and make it uh, make it better. So, um, so I think that people can feel can feel good uh, about uh, patronizing these these local places um, that uh, yeah have made have made Lansing better. We also arrived in Lansing right after the Great Recession, and there was a lot closing down. Uh, there was a lot of empty uh, retail space. Um, and so it's just nice just to see um, a renaissance of sorts of uh, local places. Um, and our place is still a little up and coming because, you know, it's still part of this in between Lansing and East Lansing. Mm. Um, but uh, I think I think it's 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 rising and, and a useful place for for that to, for that merger yeah. uh, to happen. It's really interesting because after COVID, it seemed like there was a lot of local businesses opening and I, I don't know if it had anything to do with the money that people were given they're like I'm just going to invest this into starting something is that around the time you guys started your business yeah I would also say just planning time um, okay. you know that there if if while this is going you start thinking about well what do I want to do uh, if I've had a dream for a while um, <laughs> you know how do I bring it into fruition um, and uh, for people who, who might be interested, um, the uh, Lansing Community College is the home of the Small Business Development Center, which is a free series of courses uh, that you can uh, go to uh, with any idea, um, and they will actually help you write your business plan. Oh, wow. Um, uh, so folks can can check that out, and I did that. That's the, That was sort of my first step uh, in coming back uh, from, from sabbatical. Uh, to, to get this moving. Um, and then COVID happened right after that, those initial uh, first steps. And so I was able to kind of just uh, ruminate with the, with the plan uh, and the ideas for a while. Uh, and in order to, to make that happen, I think a lot of people did do that. And that's why, for example, those five finalists in the downtown business competition uh, all, all made it in some form. So they all went to the LCC thing? No, or, no, they didn't all make it. They all the ruminated LCC. on I it. I think they all uh, sort of benefited from 
the pandemic has happened. We, we right. want to make a change um, and, and, and use that time to, to start a new venture. Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool to see um, all these local, small, newer businesses doing well and flourishing. Um, what are your goals as a business owner for like, let's say the next five years? Well, first, of course, we, we do want to uh, survive and become <laughs> a, uh, uh, you know, become a, a, a ongoing concern that can uh, be open. You know, we're open 80 some hours a week. Um, so, you know, we uh, we want that part uh, to work. We want it to work as a coffee shop. We want it to work as a bar. We want it to work as a bookstore and, of course, an event space and all of the things uh, in between. So. Um, I th- I'd say that's our, our kind of primary goal is I think we've been able to enact our vision in terms of what the space looks like, um, what kinds of uh, products we have and what kind of uh, events we have. I think the question is just can all of that come together and kind of, um, you know, keep keep going and keep getting uh, support uh, in in the community. And so far, so good. But uh, it's, a, you know, we have a, a long ways uh, to go. Um, I also think we have an aspiration um, to create a bit of an intellectual culture in Lansing um, to kind of draw from the university, but not all be, uh, you know, just students or faculty. Um, and so, you know, what that might mean is, um, you know, hopefully, you know, you'll run into a, a history professor that's uh, mm. recommending uh, a series of history books mm. Um uh, or, you know, we'll have, um, you know, a graduate student that's working on a uh, research project and has a list of recommended uh, books um, and that you can, you know, meet. Um, we also have, uh, uh, we have in-store book clubs, uh, coffee and wine clubs as well. And uh, we, we really want Wine get, clubs. Yeah. So um, folks can get uh, a couple of wines uh, per month that are hand selected, um, then can come in and do tastings uh, as well with us. Um, we have a regular, uh, so the the book clubs um, just just a uh, that's an important part of kind of our vision is that um, people actually meet in store for the for their own book clubs, but also um, for the store book club. So we have a book club for kids, we have a book club for YA, we have a book club for adults. Uh, and that means that people get a book a month, but that they also come in and discuss it um, at the end of the That's month cool. with other people in the club. And, um, you know, we were recently on the list um, in the finalists for like hangouts f- for your in- individuals, hangouts for seniors and hangouts <laughs> for students. So we liked that in that, you know, we're not a place that's just for one type, right, right. Um, but that can kind of merge uh, these, these communities uh, in Lansing. And one of those ways is through the book club and the coffee club and the wine club. And we want to get those, um, you know, solidified and get people regularly uh, participating there. We also have some weekly events. So we have a Wine Wednesday uh, special um, and an associated uh, cheese tasting and then a dessert tasting. Uh, we have specials for teachers and students on uh, Fridays. Uh, on Tuesday, we have a unique uh, event at five uh, called a parent happy hour. Uh, and what it is, is it's just uh, wine specials for parents while there's a reading going on for <laughs> children. So uh, <laughs> the parents can have wine uh, while the kids are entertained uh, by uh, a kid's reading uh, every Tuesday at five o'clock. Uh, and so I think a big part of our goal is making each one of those things uh, kind of get a regular crowd. Um, and we've had some success, but I think, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that could really get going. And then you have a group of parents that <laughs> are, yeah. you know, are regularly there on Tuesday and, and maybe meet new people uh, through that as well. So I think another um, aspiration 
is that people actually meet each other through the store. Um, they actually, you know, develop a community uh, of, of people who like similar things. Absolutely. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, that's the best part about a community is having this place that you can go. I mean, cause like for the longest time it was libraries, right? People would go to libraries, hang out and there'd be like a mixed culture there. Kids and moms and dads and of all ages. But now, you know, I don't, I don't know anybody who goes, goes to the library. I don't go to the library. I have the library on my phone. That's where I listen to a lot of my audiobooks. <laughs> we are still supporters of the both the Lansing Library and the East Lansing Library. I like um, libraries. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't like them, but I, I don't go to them because we have it on our phone. Uh, so. but, but yeah, there is also, you know, that you get a different kind of um, aesthetic and a different kind of space when you can also have a coffee shop there or a bar yeah. there. And so we, that's obviously something that you can't do in a library. So you right. get a different... Uh, a different uh, group of people. Uh, my wife uh, and I, that. my wife and I were talking the other day, it, you know, cause it was interesting back in the day, you used to have to go to the library when you wanted to research something, you know, you'd have to go like look up the book and go find the book and then dig through a book and find the pages to do any kind of research project. And now it's like, you don't, you can just do it on your phone. You don't, you don't need a book. <laughs> yeah. Um, what we're taking advantage of is people still like to be in a space though. So, oh yeah. You know, we have a lot yeah. of people who are, working on their laptops or their phones uh, while they're, while they're in the space, but they still value, okay, there's other people around. Right. I'm not doing it all on my, <laughs> right. uh, all on my own. Um, so I think that's a, you know, a useful part of, of being in a space like this. Well, that's what I liked about libraries too, is because you knew when you went there, it, it was quiet and you could just, when you're there, you're, you're focused on whatever it is that you're doing. And uh, you can't get that in a lot of other places. So like a place like yours as well, I'm sure it's same atmosphere, quiet and, kind of calm it, it, it depends on the de- time of day so yes we have a lot of right now we're in the you know middle of final studying so there's a lot of people uh in there um you know taking advantage of it uh as a workspace and we encourage that um but it get it does get a little louder um as we have events or um for example we also have uh, games that people can play so if you want to play jenga or mm. monopoly or scrabble or whatever we have those games available while you're drinking that's uh, very cool you can, you can play that play that as well um how big is your store? Uh, it's 3,000 square feet, including okay. um, the backspace. Um, so it, it doesn't quite feel that big. But I think it's going to feel it's going to feel substantially smaller than like a Schuler or Barnes & Noble, but substantially bigger than any of the other uh, bookstores in town because um, there, there really is space. And a lot of it, um, you know, is integrated with the cafe. How hard was it to integrate the cafe portion to the bookstore? I mean, because I would assume that's almost like a whole business in itself, like finding the suppliers and the the kind of wine and all that stuff that you want to sell. Absolutely. So we're, you know, we're in three different (laughs) businesses and we have to kind of (laughs) learn them, learn them all at once. And that's why we need to rely on people who've uh, done more of it uh, than, than we have. Um, But these are all businesses that, that, uh, that amateurs get involved in, um, and, and can succeed. in. so, uh, we're, we're lucky, uh, for that. I would say our space is way more integrated than most of these. Um, so, uh, there's a lot of bookstores with a cafe in them, but they're usually kind of a separate. Yeah. That's how Schuler's is separate business. Even the staff are separate. Whereas, Mm. um, for us, you know, we, we really want to make it integrated. So, you, you know, your barista also has uh, staff pick book recommendations oh. uh, in, in the back of the store, um, you know, might also be helping with one of the events. 
uh, you know, your, your bartender can also help you find the best buck of a particular type. And, you know, I think that's, that's important for us. Not that we don't have any specialists, but, um, you know, that, that people are uh, kind of integrated in that and physically that the space is integrated. So we have tables going back into the books, uh, uh section, uh, and you know, vice versa, there's books, right. When you enter, uh, in the cafe, uh, section as well. Um, we, we sell a lot of books on food and wine, of course, as well. <laughs> um, we also have wine bottles, so it's a little wine shop as well. Um, and that's... Um, Did you guys have to hand store. select each bottle of wine? So or- that was the fun part, right? You get to taste <laughs> wine. So it's true. Um, you know, the the, uh, the the wine process really is that you go and have everybody taste them and decide, you know, what you like. Of course, you do, you know, research online, find out um, what else people are doing. But a lot of it really is, you know, hand selecting. Wow. Uh, by tasting a lot. So uh, that was, yeah, that was the fun part of getting started. Where'd um, you go for that? <laughs> <laughs> There's um, uh, about, I'd say five or six um, distributors in Michigan that um, don't have a lot of distribution at like a Meyer or, um, you know, Costco. And so it's not going to find the same kinds of wines that you would find there. And that was kind of our goal, not to have not to kind of replicate what you would find in a store, but right. stuff that's a little harder to find, um, but still cover the world, um, you know, cover the varietals. Um, so, so we're able to do that. We also have wine flights, which are very popular. So mm, people can yeah. taste, can taste three wines uh, at once. Um, coffee flights are actually surprisingly popular. <laughs> um, people now, I originally envisioned this as, cause I'm a sort of a, you know, I'm a, I drink pretty straight coffee. So I envisioned this as, okay, we're going to have some uh, beans from Kenya and some beans from South America. And and there are some people who want to do that and we do have pour overs. Um, but you know, people, people like their sugar adulterated coffees mm. too. So a lot of uh, like what we're uh, having now, we have um, flights of, uh, you know, of different flavors for the season. Um, we also have a cocktail, uh, flight uh, for for the season as well, um, but yeah, we so we we plan to be a place where people can taste and decide what they want, um, and that's uh, that's enabled by these flights. How did you select the coffee, the co- different coffees? Did you have to go through a distributor for that as well? Yeah, so coffee is the one place where we decided, okay, we we need to make this a little bit easier by kind of making a standing decision of who we're working with, um, and so uh, the coffee company that we work. For uh, with is called Intelligentsia and they are out of Chicago and they are kind of the, f- they were in the first wave of the direct trade, um, uh, high end coffee, uh, beans. So they have these long-term relationships with farmers all over the world, uh-huh. um, where, uh, they, you know, import the, the beans directly and then can make either blends or single origins, uh, out of those direct relationships. Uh, and this was our favorite coffee place. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we wanted to, to bring it here, but it has also meant that um, at least one part of the business doesn't have, you know, 50 vendors, <laughs> <laughs> but has, um, you know, a, a stable right. uh, group that still offers a, a lot of uh, variety in terms of uh, types of coffee. Um, and our, um, you know, just our, our regular brewed coffee is, is pretty high end compared to um, you know, most of the beans you're going to, you're going to get and every, um, you know, every bean that comes from intelligentsia is, you know, going to be graded in the top 10% of, of beans in the world. And some of them quite a bit higher. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of coffee and that's something that recently I've been going through a whole process of trying to find coffee that I actually like. And it's, it's been brutal because I'm, I I like black coffee. I, I drink everything black, but I don't like super sweet 
and I don't like, um, I don't know, like there's different flavors. I've, I've like, I had a, I think a French vanilla the other day and I drank it black and it was just too sweet. And so, um, the whole process of finding coffee, I realized that I appreciate the taste of like black coffee and just like the actual taste of the beans. Mm -hmm. Well, you should join our coffee club. We have you uh, have a coffee club. <laughs> yeah, so you can come <laughs> and you get uh, two hand selected um, bags uh, per month, and it also oh, comes okay. with ten percent off all coffee drinks uh, in house as well. Um, so those are going to both be single origin, higher end uh, coffees, but will allow you to kind of tour the world uh, mm. over the course of uh, a few months uh, and see what yeah what kind of beans. Uh, you'd like. Um, you can also always come in and get a, a pour over um, of, a, of a whatever we're featuring that month as well, which is always going to be uh, a single origin coffee. Very cool. Uh, is there anything else you want to promote or talk about real quick? Before? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think that um, I think that uh, wine is a big part of what we do. Um, so we haven't gotten a chance to talk a lot about that, but um, you know the the. Uh, we have um, nine flights, I think, right now that you can choose from. So you get three different wines uh, to taste um, of those. And uh, part of the model is, you know, people don't necessarily have to be wine connoisseurs. They can just, we can take any hint. You know, I, norm <laughs> I normally like sweet red wine. I normally like, you know, uh, wines from Argentina. And we can kind of go from that um, to, to help you mm -hmm. uh, define, you know, what you like more. And a big part of that is, well, you can taste it. So, you know, we're always going to have, um, you know, like I said, we have the nine flights. We have 30 probably wines by the glass um, that, you, that you can get at any given time. So you really can taste around and figure out, you know, yeah. what what you like uh, the best. So we do we do have beer and cocktails, but but we we do want to uh, specialize in in wine. And we've we've made that happen as well. I mean, that's kind of the lure of going to like a winery, right, is trying these different wines. And so by offering that service to people, people can kind of develop or find out what they like and and, and hope, can they buy the bottle from you? Or? Yeah. And okay. now every wine that we have uh, in the flights or by uh, the glass is also available to, to purchase in a oh. bottle. Um, and we actually have deals if you want to buy all three bottles that you tasted in the uh, flight. Um, we have a bottle flight that you can take home uh, very as well. Very cool. That's very cool. Cool. Um, is there anything else? Uh, I, there's a lot of information. You give me a lot of information. I'm like... <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> people will, will come by and try it. Uh, we're at 3142 East Michigan Avenue uh, in Lansing. So it is just south of Frandor on Michigan Avenue. So we're on the East Lansing side of 127, but still in uh, can't Lansing. Miss it. You can't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's there's parking in back. Um, it's funny that we still, you know, probably the number one question we still get is, is there a place to park? And if you look at it from an overview uh, like from an aerial, you'll see nothing but parking. So there, <laughs> <laughs> there's pl there's plenty of parking, but uh, for those uh, concerned, you can get direct directly reserved spaces, and there is a back door uh, to go uh, directly from the reserved parking spaces. But there's also parking uh, right alongside. Uh, if you come by, give us a try. Do you guys have a patio in the summertime? Yes, we have a patio, um, and obviously we took stuff away, uh, took the yeah. table and chairs away. Um, but, yeah, it actually is going to end up – it actually seats about 40 um, in just wow. outside. So our space expands quite a bit uh, when people can can sit outside. Uh, and obviously that's that's helpful for the wine drinking and uh, everything like that as well. Awesome. Well, thanks for doing this. This was fun. Um, I, I'd like to have you back and maybe just learn a little bit more about you. Um, we talked a lot about your business, but um, 
Yeah, I think it's very important to have a place like that. And I think it's it's so important to and cool. And and I love the fact that like a local business like yours supports other people in the community as well. So thank you for doing that. Well, thank you. We yeah. uh, appreciate you spreading the word on uh, everything that's happening locally. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.